And welcome to Media Mouthwash. I'm Daniel Bentley. I'm Joseph Stashko. And this week we are looking at digital advertising revenues. They're sexier than you think. <laughs> or not sexy if you're newspapers. We're also going to be looking at damages and damages caused to people by lies in newspapers or mistakes. And we'll also get an insight into the future of personalised news with our app of the week. So, something that caught my eye this morning, Joe, was the results of a survey by the Project for Excellence in Journalism, which is a Pew Research Centre initiative. And they surveyed six large newspaper companies in America uh, that look at 121 newspapers. What they found was that for every dollar that the newspaper was earning in digital advertising, they were losing $7 in print revenue. And... The newspapers were not diversifying their revenue streams, so they were really looking at a narrow uh, set of products to 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 increase their revenue streams. This is all written up really well um, by Brian Stelter in the New York Times. You know what works for one publication may not necessarily work for another one, Um, just because one publication does really well digitally doesn't mean another one is. And it's kind of interesting because I think you're also in danger of a lot of people reading stuff like, you know, John um, John Patton's speeches and going, yes, this is the way we must do it because he does it like this and it works for him. Mm -hmm. And although, you know, there's truth in what he says and there's truth in the way that he is approaching um, his business, which can be applied to lots of other ones, I think you should kind of be wary of just all jumping on a digital bandwagon as well and just being like, we've got to do it like this. But do you not have to do like digital wholeheartedly for it to pay off? Yeah, you do, but you don't have to do it in the same way of being like the church of being open and collaborative and to the extent that people like The Guardian and the General Register Company do for it to work. You know, like you can still put a lot of resources into your digital operation and be wholeheartedly committed to it but you don't have to do it like someone else does from an editorial point of view you know there's people like the economist who are doing really well and they don't engage in anything like that at all so you say you don't have to buy into the whole like open journalism thing yeah 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 to make digital work yeah yeah that's the thing i think i think that's i think i mean mean, the daily mail shows that yeah because they're not open journalism at all but they're digital products do yeah i think i think basically people need to kind of separate commitment to digital work with the kind of open journalism kind of agenda i think a lot of the time they get lumped together as the same thing in a way you know it's like oh you've got a lot of online journalists but you don't seem to be practicing this kind of collaborative nature of journalism therefore you know you're not kind of part of this movement at all and i think that's where it kind of becomes tricky you need to kind of include everyone in this and recognize there are a lot of people doing stuff uh, really well online but they just don't approach it in the same way that um people like jeff jarvis kind of preach so yeah yeah jarvis digging no it guy. wasn't a dig it wasn't <laughs> a dig i'm just like, he clearly does say stuff like that so yeah yeah i'm just yeah well so. while we're talking about that it's not on our agenda joe but what did you think of the uh guardians three little pigs uh open journalism advert film thingy it was a good advert it was, must have cost a lot yeah, and they're ruining um, it a lot as well. Yeah, I've seen it several times, all pretty much on prime time, kind of between 9 and 10. It's, yeah, cost a lot, quite good. 
as an advert, they obviously threw the kitchen sink at the website as well. I just thought it was interesting because anyone who really listens to this podcast will know that for a while the Guardians pursued this open journalism yeah. agenda thingy um, and talked about its open newsroom and, and all this stuff. Um, but that's quite, you know, a media nerd yeah. kind of thing. I yeah. mean, I don't think up until now consumers have really been all that bothered about how a newsroom no. operates. They care no. about the stories at the end. And so it's an interesting play that they're going for in putting this on TV as a TV advert and as a consumer-facing agenda of, of what yeah. The Guardian's about. I think that's very significant. So it's been a year since Rupert Murdoch released his iPad newspaper, The Daily, uh, which is nice. It employs 150 journalists to this day, and it's managed to bag itself 100,000 subscribers um, who all pay 99 cents a week to read the kind of middle market uh, publication that it is, uh, which is only updated um, several times throughout the day. It's not a kind of rolling news um, thing. It's a sit down and read it in the evening paper. The publisher, Greg Clayman, says that it's going to take them five years to break even. Um, and with such a big subscriber base as that, um, you know, probably has something to do with the cost, but it's it's still quite a lot. That that did surprise me. I mean, you said that's like normal for um, like a, a magazine or whatever yeah. to break even like five years. But it, I was I was actually like taken aback by how cheap the daily was. I mean, I remember all this stuff from when it launched, but I was actually surprised that it's like still ninety nine cents a week. Yeah, because charging is is like an immediate barrier to entry yeah so i just sort of think if you're gonna charge yeah you need why to. don't you just you know put in a decent charge yeah yeah and at a hundred thousand subscribers you should be able to monetize that a lot better you'd think with yeah, a digital yeah. product because there's no printing costs i mean you talk about break even for a magazine but this is purely digital so there are no you know hard printing costs. yeah yeah found this on the new york times again in their media and advertising section and apparently most of their readers are from Florida, Nashville, Denver, basically the middle of America. Well, um, well it's the south. Well, no, Florida <laughs> actually is actually nowhere near. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but basically some that it doesn't include anything like people from L.A. and people from New York. Does that have um, an age breakdown on it? No, well, that be because just by the sounds of those states, if you think, if I think Florida, I think an older generation. Yeah, well, I, I would think of that as well. I'd think kind of older, slightly older, mid, like affluent. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, that sounds like it's you know baby boomers reading it on their on their yeah. on their iPads. You know, it's a good audience to have. They're probably more um, loyal than uh, people who live in New York and LA. But yeah, it's interesting because the the editor um, commented on that and said that he doesn't care about the like inverted commas chattering classes mm. um, who live around their New York office reading it. Um, that's not for what the publication is for, um, which is fair enough. And again, like I think it kind of raises two interesting interesting things. One, new challenges because it's a completely new medium and format. Um, and two, just because you know you and your kind of cool media friends think it's a bit lame doesn't mean that there's you know a hundred thousand people out there who who it's perfect for 
So usually on Gaff of the Week, I pick something quite lighthearted or funny as as, as my gaff. Because, you know, a gaff usually uh, is something quite innocuous, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's why I kind of think it's not like a life-threatening mistake. But this one is. Uh, it's actually quite serious, so I'm not going to make too much fun of it. So a supermarket worker from Dumbarton, Jim McLean, was named by his local newspaper, uh, the Dumbarton and Vale of Leaven Reporter, um, claimed he was a paedophile. Um, the headline was Beast on the Loose. Yeah. You know, unfortunately for Jim McLean, he is not a paedophile at all. He was mistakenly claimed by the newspaper that he was. His photo was printed, and he's now under police protection. And obviously, you know, pursuing this down legal channels. Yeah. And it's like, it's really unfortunate that some, in some ways, like that coming out in your local newspaper is more damaging than it being in the Nationals. Yeah, definitely, because you're not going to meet everyone who reads it in the Nationals. Exactly. Whereas, I mean, this If he is... goes into his pub now and someone's not, like, clued up that yeah. he's been misnamed, he's, you know... He's... The accusation's been made, and that's out there, and it's in the local paper, which everyone reads, so... And 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 uh, along the same lines, um, the Mirror Group newspapers have had to pay £75,000 to the natural father of Baby P for a 2010 article in, in People newspaper on the Sunday saying that he had slept with 14-year-old girls. And, yeah. And again, that's... Uh, a falsehood that's yeah i mean this, i think are, um, i think this is a major major part of what needs to be clear kind of cleared up out of the uh out of leveson because you know there's the big thing about phone hacking at the moment and that's seems to be taking a lot of the limelight but i think one of the biggest practices which the press has kind of you know needs to be hold, held to account to is the fact that the, the prevailing kind of uh thinking on this is that you publish something wrong, you pay damages later on, six months, four months down the line, and you'll just move on. Yeah, that's the worst part of it. I think you know there need to there needs to be something in place whereby it shouldn't be that easy. I mean, I think I think this it will negatively affect the uh, the Dumbarton and Vale of Leaven reporter more than it will Mirror Group. It is a problem because I mean, obviously, the natural father of Baby P has been through a lot anyway. Yeah. And, and that's tragic. But this uh, Jim McLean guy, he's just a guy who works in a supermarket, yeah, yeah. has never been in trouble in his life, never been arrested, never had a parking ticket. Yeah. Um, his, like, his mum is a, a primary school teacher and all this kind of stuff. And he's been dragged into this. And, and he's, he's completely innocent. The same thing happened yeah. with um, Joanna Yates' landlord, who... Uh, many newspapers were, you know, highlighting as a suspect. Yeah, I mean, of, of I mean, her murder. That that was really, really terrible. You know, it was like because the guy was elderly, had kind of long, wispy white hair. Mm. They were like, oh, like he looks creepy, and you know, all this kind of thing about his personal life, which was kind of tenuously linked to like somehow, you know, imply that he definitely would have done it. That's terrible. You know, like you didn't know what to think at the time, yeah. and then when he was. Proved, proved innocent it was just like well you know there you go you've pretty much demonized this guy for quite a long time now and he's still got to live with that so uh well done to the dumbarton and vale of leaven reporter your award is in the post okay so we're on to the final item of the show 
and it's the app of the week. And this week we're talking about a app that allows you personalized news and kind of really looks at your reading habits to kind of deliver a really cool reading experience to you. It's called Zite. Um, you can get it on your iPad iPhone as well. iPhone as well, yeah. And what it does is kind of, it's, it's I guess you could say it was similar to Flipboard, but it kind of takes into account more of your kind of general browsing habits rather than just pulling in feeds. Um, you can look at, it t- looks at what articles you, you know, read a lot, what sites you use a lot, what art- how long you've spent on articles, and it also drags in stuff from your Twitter feed, you know, f- uh, people you follow and, and things that they're tweeting. So... You've been using it a lot, Dan, um, recently. Yeah. Um, I, I checked it out last week. Is it the future? <laughs> um, it could be. I mean, what I like about it is you mentioned Flipboard. Yeah. And Flipboard's an aggregation of tweets that uh, of people that I'm following and the links within them. Zeitz is different in that it looks at who I'm following works out what I might be interested in and then builds the magazine based yeah. on that. So they're not necessarily links that people have tweeted. Yeah. And so there's a much more uh, it's much more serendipity to the stuff that's on there. Because a lot of the time on Twitter, the same links go around all day. Yeah, I think that's the biggest aspect of it is that it does actually allow you to discover new stuff. I've, I've discovered loads of really yeah. great stuff and some new writers and, and different content and stuff. I mean... It had it has me completely pegged in the categories it is selected for me. Yeah, it thinks I'm interested in entrepreneurship, gadgets, social media, technology, Google, and journalism. Which that is you. That, is, that, that. that just about sums me up. Um, so it's it spot on there in in the categories it selected for me, and and the stuff on it's really great. And if I don't think the stuff's great. I can downrank it and I'll see yeah. less stuff like that. A lot of the time, you know, I don't want to log in four times, you know, and open four different browser tabs and, and just check things like that. It's really nice to settle down for something which is just has a single use. Yeah. And it collates everything. So, I mean, it's it's not the first. There's, there's a few. No. Google do one called Google Currents. There's one called News Me. There's obviously Flipboard and Zite. And so there's a couple of these things around at the moment. News Me, I, d- I didn't like. Because that was just yeah. you follow people yeah. and you have like a news me account and then you follow people and then you see their links and I was like, well, that's not yeah, all yeah. that different. There was um, a kind of internal version which uh, the Washington Post just brought out beginning of last week called Personal Post. Similar idea. Obviously, it only works within the Washington Post, but I think that's cool. Like you know, I think the Guardian have done something similar. Um, Guardian Zeitgeist, possibly. Mm. I think that's just kind of uh, food for thought for a lot of news organisations. Look at the analytics and see, you know, if you can get users to sign up for an account, what they're clicking on, what articles they tend to comment on a lot, and you you kind of make your own newspaper. I, th- you know? I, I think it's a nice option to give people. I think it's a a nice way as an option to access news. But it is just one way to go, and there's a, a strong case for the complete anti-personalization and yeah. doing the, um, the an edition-based yeah, no, edited thing. And I think it's nice to have options. Because That's the thing. You, it doesn't have to be either at or. At different times of the day, I'll yeah. want different things. One never has to replace the other. It yeah. can always be, you know, you respect the fact that there's different people reading your stuff. You know, personally, I am kind of really enjoying the Times' US election coverage at the moment mm-hmm. um, just because they've got a few really good correspondents over there and it's kind of, for me anyway, you know, 
I don't know too much about US politics. They kind of tend to write in quite a good way that I can get the issues. Yeah. It'd be really cool if I could like build a Times edition that was kind of heavily centered on US coverage, you know, maybe built in with some comment as well and then like a multimedia section and you know, so I'd still be consuming their stuff, but because I don't read the sport, I don't have to have that on my on, on my yeah. front page. So that was Zeit. That's the that's the app of the week. You can get it on the App Store for iPad and iPhone. Um, we both like it. We hope you do too. So that was Media Mouthwash. Thank you for listening. If you want to connect with us on the social interwebs, how can people do it, Joe? You can find us on Twitter at Media Mouthwash. You can find us on SoundCloud as well. And you can find us on Tumblr, mediamouthwash.tumblr.com and a small little shop called the iTunes Store. So join us again next week for another episode of Media Mouthwash with me, Daniel Bentley. And me, Joseph Stashko. Stay fresh.